Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. And that brings up a really important fact is I think that culture creates that, right? I think that that mentality that we have to sell, 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 we're salesmen and we have to drive for numbers alone. I think that mentality is what creates that ethical dilemma. Am I going to feed my family? Am I going to keep a job or am I going to, am I going to do what I feel like is right? And I think you do the wrong thing a couple of times and all of a sudden that moral compass begins to drift a little bit. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG podcast. Payroll day is approaching, the tax collector's calling, and your parts bills are due. Facing all that, you make your phone calls to sell the little bit of work you have sitting at your shop. When the customer asks, what would you do? What are you going to say? Are you going to give them an honest assessment and possibly end up with a small sale or maybe no sale at all? Or... Are you going to try to talk them into buying absolutely everything on the estimate? If you're not doing the selling yourself, what do you expect your service advisor to do? If they're on the edge of making or losing a big bonus, how do you think they'll react? To have this conversation, we're joined by Laura Lee Schmidt of Schmidt Auto Care in Springboro, Ohio. Are ethical questions black and white, or do we live in a world of gray? Before we get started, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're watching this on YouTube, and if you like our content, consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure that you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. work i don't do any ados work that's my point. oh okay 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 i didn't know if you already had like a basis no i, no, I no, find no. this to be the most useless piece of equipment we've bought really <laughs> we've had ours now for a year and 
at this point, the thing probably needs to be updated. And I don't even know if, I don't know. Like, we've done a couple of cars, but, like, the body shops haven't had a huge work for, need for it in our area. Oh, they're the, not telling you. You know, the deal, well, I don't know. I pair with the body shops a lot. Like, I get a lot of their work. I'm surrounded by them. The, the but problem. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. And then this other tech the other day was like, oh, at the dealer, we just plug this thing in and it calibrates everything. I'm like, what? What thing are you no, plugging no. in? See, like, that's what? the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. They're not They're not actually calibrating the cars. Yep. Exactly. Because it's like a lot of work cars. when we do it. Yeah, like, exactly. The target's they, out. It's like a whole thing. Yes, they're not, they're not calibrating the cars. They're checking for codes. No codes, they ship it. Yep. it. They don't care that it's four degrees off. There's nothing telling them it's four degrees off. They're just shipping the car. Maybe I'm, I mean, I probably am not doing my due diligence, honestly, because I did get a bit distracted in 2020. ADOS was my last function. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of interest deal- at this moment. We'll see. These dealerships are not doing these calibrations at all or properly. Uh, one. And then two, a, a lot of these body shops, like all they care about is whether the light's on. And that's it. And what they don't realize is, hey, you took that front bumper off. That front camera and that front radar has to be recalibrated. Now, if they go by SI, that's what it says. If you touch this, you got to do this. Mm -hmm. They're not reading SI. It's painted. It looks good. And there's no codes. There's no lights on. They're shipping it. And what? Probably for real. (laughs) That's exactly what's happening. I'm just telling you that's exactly. Lucas, back me up here. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's exactly you. what's happening. And you know what? The Some of the local collision shops, I was talking with them the other day, and they're like, hey, we don't know how comfortable we feel sending this to the dealer because they're telling us, yeah, $79.95, we'll calibrate that bad boy right up. Oh. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think you understand what we're asking for. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely what we're doing. Yeah, I know. We're, yeah, we're being absolutely. They're being tell. They're telling me the same thing when I drop off the car, and they're they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, hundred and seventy bucks." I'm like, "You're doing that much work for hundred and seventy bucks? You guys are nuts." They're like, "Sure, why not? Yeah. You guys aren't yeah. doing jack. You're delining the car and scanning it for codes. Like, yeah, that's all you're doing." But I mean, oh, that, ours that started point, like three hundred. Right? I think. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Okay, maybe I need to work at this ADOS thing a little harder. Well, it's it, so the the angle. Uh, I don't remember what episode number it is. Well, we had Dirk Fuchs on, and he he was with ICAR is taking the angle of informing the insurance companies, and yeah. essentially saying that if these aren't these body shops are not certified through some type of training. Now, of course, ICAR is going to provide the training, but if they're not certified. Through these training programs to handle EV, to handle ADOS, to handle some of this this new technology, you need to penalize them, or you need yeah. to at least offer an incentive, a discount to those shops that are doing the training. Yeah, because I'm, I'm telling you, like, go <laughs> listen to the Lesniak episode. It's scary what these dealerships are doing, and the 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 two manufacturers know what they're doing. They're yeah. supplying the dealerships with the tools. Yeah, and the tool manufacturers are coming up behind them. Yeah, they're coming up behind them to check to make sure that they're doing things properly, and they're not. They know it. Yeah. Well, enter me then. (laughs) In my shop, it's pretty tough, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, so I mean, I I think that you create a a an an advantage for yourself, right? So, are you guys going to tackle EV too? 
Is that we want to for sure. Like we have a handful of the cars in our town. I want to be the first station that, ha- or the first place that has the charging station. And we've started like trickling some education in. All of my techs are super on board. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description. Or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Word with learning and really excited about it. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We certainly want to be, we always like to try to be the leaders in what's going on in the area. So right. we'll be the first ones that pop out with stuff. Well, that's very cool. Well, that, that's what you have to do. Like, that's how you have to prepare. That, that's why I'm looking for this extra space. Yeah. Like, I, I have to be ready to go because I know everybody else is either waiting for the buyout, waiting for some contractor or some uh, developer yeah. to come in and offer them a bajillion dollars for their land. And they're just, they're just buying time mm-hmm. for, for, to, to get bought out. Uh, or they just don't know. They're new and they, they don't realize what's coming. And so I'm going to swoop in there and get in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's why we took the plan. little shop next to our, so we have um, like a B shop next to our place that was like a plumbing place or whatever. And we started renting that spot last year for the reason to move ADOS over there. Cause it does take so much room out of our shop. And we were, we were on the hook with like this company that had windows and they were like, Oh, we're going to send you all of our work for window, like the window calibration. And then I don't know what happened to them. Cause they never did calls back. So, uh, we've got the machine and everything moved over there for the space to make it happen. I just, we just haven't really pushed on it much. That's our own fault. Well, I'm going to talk to Mark Cox, Mark Cox. All right. He's out, he's out of Florida. He was with management success. Uh, for years, I think he's with ShopFix now. I can't remember, but um, the, the guy, like the guy's, removed himself from the business. But w- one of the things he does is he makes his his sales calls, and he brings a bag of cookies, just like uh, management success teaches. You bring a bag of cookies. It has <laughs> your sticker on it with a little brochure. If it's an existing account, he just goes out to, and he and he makes his rounds. He hits the same places every single month with consistency. To make sure that it gets in front of them over and over and over again. It's just like the tool guys. And with that yeah. consistency, he's been able to build his fleet accounts like, immensely. 
he's killing it with just fleet accounts and he's got hmm. several of them. Like he's not, we have a friend, um, who she sold her business, but she had all of her business tied up in like three accounts and one of them dropped her and all yeah. of a sudden her business dried up by like 40%. Right. And she was like, she was on the verge of closing and then she decided I'm not going to do this any longer. And she closed, mm. but it was because she had everything, you know, it was easy. Just yeah. open up and there's seven vehicles sitting outside. She didn't have to market for it. She didn't have to make any phone calls. It were all the same fleet company. When somebody lured them away, yep. all the business dried up. Yeah. We definitely don't play with all. <laughs> we don't lean on fleet heavy for much. We've got fleet, but can't rely on it. They are too shifty, at least yeah. in my area. I agree. I agree. And 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 sometimes they have some very unrealistic expectations. Yeah, we had one that told us we had to be open on Fridays, and we were like, no, thank you. No, no. Not, <laughs> you don't get to tell me when I, I go to work, sir. That's <laughs> it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We had this truck, this uh, diesel truck. The guy calls me. We didn't have any room for it. We didn't have time to deal with it. And he was a construction company. It was one of the two vehicles he had. He's like, I can't be down on this vehicle. And he, he gives me the symptoms, and I'm like, well, can you do some work yourself? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let me know what I need to do. And I said, well, run this test, do this. And, you know, and then report back what happens. And he calls me back and he had like, he, it's a diesel. So he had, you need to have matching batteries in there. They need to be, you know, about the same age. You want to make sure that they're the same, at least the same rating, which mm-hmm. wasn't even the case. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's describing what the problem is. And I go, man, how are the terminals? And he's like, well, they're corroded. I said, well, clean them off and then, and then let me know how it does, but make sure you clean them. Like take them all the way off, scrub them down and make sure they're pristine. Well, instead of doing that, he decided he was just going to throw an alternator in the vehicle. And then when that (laughs) didn't work, he, he towed the vehicle without calling me or anything. He just tows the vehicle to me and I need to move it. This thing is enormous. We can't push it. And so I asked the tow truck guy to help me. We get three jump packs on it and the vehicle starts and runs. And you could tell that the vehicle wasn't charging or at least the batteries weren't getting charged. And as soon as you disconnected everything, everything died. And so, um, I tell him very, very quickly. I'm like, I, I think your problem is your battery terminals. He's like, what do you mean? The battery terminals that you didn't clean. I told you to clean the battery terminals. You didn't clean them. Like they're they're in really bad shape. And I think, uh, I haven't done a voltage drop test. Like I haven't verified this, but just based on what we've seen so far, I think you're going to end up buying battery cables. I said, I will test the alternator to make sure it's charging. And he said, okay, well, again, we were super busy. He calls me up and he's like, man, what's going on? What's going on? I need this vehicle. I don't care what it costs, this, that, and the other. I just need it back. I said, okay, I think you're going to be buying like $1,600 in battery cables because at this point I'm replacing both negative, the cable that goes from one side to the other, both battery, all the way down to the start of the whole thing. They were destroyed, like absolutely destroyed. And so I quoted him something like $1,600 and he freaks out. He's like, what do you mean? $1,600. Like, well, that's what it's going to cost. I got to ship them in from, from Dodge and this, that, and the other. And he's like, oh, well, hold on to it. Hold on. I'll, I'll let you know. A whole day goes by. Remember, he needed the car like right now. And I'm yeah. sure what it costs, right? right? And so he calls us back and I, I explain to him what's going on. And I'm like, hey, look, we tested the alternator. Alternator is charging. It's not getting to the battery. The problem is in the cables. 
I look, I, if there are other problems in there, I'm not going to be able to be, tell you, I can't do a parasitic drain knowing that the cables are suspect somewhere along the process. Like, I don't want to mess with it. I just want to put cables in there that should take care of your problem. But at least at that point I can run a clean parasitic drain test. And he's like, well, okay. All right. All right go ahead and do it. We order the stuff. We were going to get it done today. This morning he calls. He's like, man, I, I can't wait any longer. You guys are taking too long. Just, just you know what? Just, I, I think I'm going to come pick it up. Mother. You know, oh, man. I got so mad. I'm like, I looked at <laughs> poor Juan. So yelling at him. I, I yelled at him so he could pass it along. And I, <laughs> I said, tell this guy that I'm going to move it over to the other lot. And if he doesn't have it picked up by tonight, the city is going to come pick up the car and tow it away. <laughs> I said, that's what I would say. I don't care if he wants me to work on it. I'm not working on it. He's done. I'm done. I got too much stuff going on. I don't need this hassle. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay. <laughs> so the guy gets upset and he's like, you guys are, you guys are extorting me. Well, what do you mean? Well, if, if you're telling me that if I don't come pick up this vehicle tonight, they're going to tow it away or I got to fix it with you and then you'll move the vehicle. It's like, no, no, no. We're not going to work on it at all. I'm sorry. Right. Come like, get it. Come get it. <laughs> right. Like we're done. And he, <laughs> okay. he's like, well, I can't get it tonight. I'm like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tow it to you. Where you at? Really? I'm like, yeah, get it out of my lot. I don't want it here. And by the way, I'm not working on it at all. You're on your own. <laughs> How do you respond? <laughs> he was happy. He was getting a free tow. Uh, so right. We, uh, of course. <laughs> we had like, you know, I, and I, I'm, I think we talked about an episode recently. We had a deal the other day um, where this young kid, right. He approved all of the repair online, right. We talked to him, we explained what he was getting and what it was is it had to have a parking brake eval. It was on a Volvo. It had to have a parking brake eval. The tires were completely bald. I mean, I'm talking about in the center of the tread and all four tires, you could see why, right. Oh, completely bald. It's got to have tires to, to pass inspection. The parking brake's got to be working. So the, the technician takes it apart, determines, Hey, look for sure. Um, definitely have got parking brake shoes that have come off. The friction materials come off the shoe assembly itself. So we got to have shoes really need to put rear rotors in it. Uh, we put the tires on that he approved and you know, he's seen all this. I, I went back and listened to all the recorded calls. Shannon talked to him about it, told him what the price was, what to expect. We have to do the testing to tell you what your, your parking brake needs. Um, he got an oil leak evaluation because man, this thing was absolutely pouring. It could run for five minutes and it would leak a quart and a half of oil in five minutes. Nice. And, uh, um, quality right there. <laughs> exactly. And the, so the kid calls me screaming and he's like, you're to take everything you put on my car off. I'm like, well, I put tires on it, but help me understand. <laughs> and he said, you're, you're, you're not going to gaslight me. And I said, okay, I really don't understand what's going on. Help me understand what you're trying to get at. Well, you're charging me for these evaluations and the damn thing still won't pass inspection. Okay, we talked about that. And here's what you have to have to pass inspection. But you approve this. That wasn't a contract. Okay, when you approve it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, dude, it actually says on there when you click that button that it is. Right. Well, I didn't see it <laughs> well, because you didn't read it. Doesn't mean you didn't, you know, yeah. and it goes on and on. And finally I'm like, look, dude, I'm not taking your tires back off because that poses a liability situation and a safety situation for me and my team. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a little bit of money back. Come get your damn car and get them after my shop. God, I'm hotty. I mean, dude, I, I, has anybody felt like people are just like on edge right now or something? What's up with that? 
They're really needy. Yeah. With David, a lot of expectations. Yeah. <laughs> High ones. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, I mean, look, I, I, here's my thing is I think that, okay, David, don't get mad at me. All right. Bite your tongue for a minute, David. Hold up. Listen to what I got to say before you respond. Um, I think there's a lot of shops. And I think in some ways there's a lot of training organizations out there who are teaching and a lot of shops that are doing things that make us in one way or another the enemy of the consumer, right? The consumer looks at us as an enemy in some ways. Yeah. And it's frustrating because, you know, like I'm over here really trying my best to do what's best for my client. Like I will go to the end of the earth to try and help them and do what's best for them. And they come in and they act like we're doing something to take advantage of them. And if I really dig in and talk to them, I find out they've had an experience somewhere else. And, and like, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way that some of these experiences I'm hearing about wouldn't be getting ripped off. Right. Like people tell me that I'm ripping them off because I'm $60 more expensive than the guy down the street. That's one thing. People tell me I'm ripping them off because I sold them a set of tires and and told them it was a new set of tires with a warranty on it, but it was actually a used set of tires. And, you know, that's ripping somebody off. Yeah. Or, or telling them, hey, look, you know, you should really be worried about this. This is a major safety issue. Um, you know, that, uh, that cabin air filter, if you don't get that thing changed, it could kill you. Uh, come on now. Are you serious? I, I thought that was bullshit. Like, I, I didn't think people were actually doing that, but I'm hearing these stories so frequently, I can't help but think that it must be happening. Yeah, it's happening. Well, everybody set up shop, right? Like, in 2020, everybody decided that they were going to go open their own garage out of their <laughs> literal garage. So literal garage, you know, so it's like, they're all telling like these wackadoodle tales to everybody. I get it all the time. Like Bub down the street said that this was going on and he was going to charge me $20. There's a guy in town that does breaks for 30 bucks. What? You know? And then they're coming to my shop. I'm like, it's like 450. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I mean, so you have, we have to compete with these like backyard billies trying to, turn a wrench i don't even know where they came from but there's this influx of them that happened in our area and or that or they became a mobile tech so they'll come to your house and tell you crazy things well you know i I have definitely noticed that there's been more and more um mobile operators popping up and i mean you know i've got friends that are mobile operators and and they do a good job and they're they're professionals but i also know there's a lot of mobile operators who are jumping in there and and trying to do work that they're not mm-hmm. exactly qualified to do. And they're not properly setting expectations. And now the client's upset and they come to me and they're like, I just paid this guy $300 to fix that. Now you want another 150 well, Uh, You know, if you'd have brought it to me first, I would have fixed it. But Right. It's been a conversation we've had to have a lot in the last probably six months with our clients. Like, I'm sorry you paid this much somewhere else, but this is what, I'm not fixing their problem, <laughs> you know, like their mess up. Right. Um, well, I mean, so I, I think that some of that comes back to what's being taught. And I, I think there's some, there's lots of companies who teach um, service advisors and there's lots of folks who don't train their service advisors. 
But I think the the most important thing about any service advisor, I was having a, a conversation and I think the TechNet group the other night, the most important thing a service advisor can do is be honest, be transparent and be ethical, right? If, if they don't do anything oh, sure. else, if they can get those down path, not trying to sell something someone doesn't need, not trying to take advantage of them or try and use fear to get them to do something. Just being completely honest and truly be an advocate for the client, right? I think that goes yeah. so much further. And I think that the client really sees that you're truly trying to take care of them. And that's huge. That's so important. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what make to me, that's what differentiates a business, right? Is, is, is if, a, if you are a true business operator and you treat your customer properly and you're truly caring for them, trying to provide them a high quality product. I don't think they ever question you and they shouldn't, if you're being honest, but I think some, we've got some so people many, are skeptical though, just, just because they've been burned. Well, that's so what I was times. getting ready to say is we've got so many scumbags out here and, and, and look guys, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of folks who teach that that scumbag method is the right way to do it. Right. So now all of a sudden you, you get caught up in a scenario where, of course, clients are going to question you because they have to question you because every other person out there is ripping them off. So, I, f I feel bad for some people. I, I do. And you want to try to help them out as best they can. There was this, uh, I'm on Nextdoor uh, on, on that app, and this lady posts, beware this shop. It's a European shop. Like It's maybe half a mile south of me. And they've been in business for 30 plus years. So they've been around the block, right? Well-established business. And she's like, these guys are ripping people off. I paid $5,000 and it should have been a new part and it wasn't. They put a used part in there and didn't tell me. And I've got picture proof of it. And uh, just one every, and they told me I needed breaks and I didn't actually need breaks. Um, and, but the people started saying, no, thanks for letting us know this, this shop that wasn't on there to defend themselves. And of course I had to get on there and defend them. I don't know these people. I have no idea who they are, but the, you know, it was, the allegations were, were incomplete. Like, let's hear the whole story. You're not telling us something. Well, mm -hmm. it turns out that two and a half years ago, she had a rear differential put in a Volvo and that rear differential started going out again. She had been quoted $7,500 from the dealer. They quoted her $5,000. She went with them. Now, I told her, I said, for a third of the price, you were not getting something equal to what the dealership were quoting, was quoting you. Right. There's no, no way. way. Right. There's no Common way. sense should tell you that. <laughs> they think there's that much markup. Oh, I don't Lord. know. What, like, logically, just think this through. Like the, I, I get that the dealership's pricier because they've got more frills, but just think about that. A third of the price, there isn't that much markup in anything. You can just cut a third of the price down, and it's perfectly fine. So she, they cut a third of the price down. They do the repair. And uh, she, two and a half years later, she comes back with the same problem, and they tell her, hey, the thing went out, and they offer to fix it for 2500 At that point, they're probably getting a deal from the used lot or whatever, they get, and, and they're cutting her a deal. And so she's like, no, no, no. And what, so she takes it to the dealership. Now, the dealership, of course, what, what do they see? An opportunity to slam dunk all over the shop, right? Yeah. Oh, man. They are taking advantage of you. He, they took a picture of paint markings on a cross member. 
that is near the rear differential, <laughs> not on the rear differential, the cross member. And they told her that when they see paint markings like that, that's a used part. And I, you know, there's, I mean, at this point, there are a hundred plus comments and people just back and forth. There's a lot of people are on there defending the shop because that's where they go. Right. And all of a sudden you're calling them stupid for going to the shop and that you're like, Hey, they've been taking advantage of you, but you're just too stupid to realize it. Right. I am the savior here for, you know, making everybody realize that this shop is screwing people. And, and, and it, just people on there like, Oh, uh, uh, when contact the news, the local news, like nobody oh, the news, but whatever, right? Like contact the crime stoppers or call the police and file a report stoppers. or the, the BBB, like they're relevant, right? And <laughs> it, just the, these absurd comments. And, and, um, of course I can't let anything go. It just oh, it irks the crap out of me. And so I'm on there just furiously typing away. And I'm just trying to explain to these people is like, Hey, the, the paint marks are on a cross member, not on the rear differential, the di- rear difference two and a half years old. For a third of the price, they put a used one in there. So she got two and a half years service out of it. Pretty good deal, right? They only would have had a one-year warranty if she had had it done at the dealership anyway, and she would have paid an extra $2,500 if the thing had gone back out for whatever reason. And on top of that, this is the best part. The damn thing was leaking. That's why it went out. Not that the part was inferior because it was a used part. is that the stupid thing was leaking. Yeah. And she didn't fix it. The fluid ran out, and the thing went out. Like, that's what happens anyway but because the dealership told her mm-hmm. that it was it, it was uh the, the shop taking advantage of her she took that as gospel and ran with it that's frustrating yeah, oh, yeah. of course it is and and you know look I, I went through something similar here a while back and and it worked out okay i gave the guy a refund but we did a break evaluation on a car and it came in and he said well i didn't think i was going to have to pay Okay, well, we had a new service advisor. I recognized that maybe there was a miscommunication, worked on it, worked through it, listened to the call. He stated it clearly. We had a signature saying he authorized the initial testing, but cool, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Just write it off, whatever. And I, so I talked to him, and, and it was like a two-and-a-half or three-hour telephone conversation with this guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he explains. And, and David, you remember this. This was on my son's birthday. You remember that? How stressed out and frustrated oh, I was? Oh, yeah. You were actually. He took the phone call on his son's birthday. Yeah. And You're I, a like, saint. So, he's like, Papa, <laughs> so, Papa, will you come to my Oh, place? man. Please talk to me, Daddy. Now you'll make me feel bad. Uh, so, uh, long story <laughs> sorry, short, Luke, like I'm this sorry. dude just goes on and on and on. And he's like, so I went here and I bought this part. And I went across town and I bought that part and I got this cheaper here. And I've got a buddy that works at a Firestone in Florida. So I went to Florida on vacation and I got my tires in Florida and I'm like, (laughs) huh? And he's like, well, you know, I went to all these different places. Why couldn't you have gotten me that deal? Because I did everything myself and I got it for $300 and you wanted $2,000 to do that. And I said, uh. Hold up. <laughs> he said, well, I did get used tires. Okay. Oh, come on. And and I mean, just one thing after another. And the dude's like shaming us online for it. And and he, you know, he, he was perfectly kind. He wasn't rude or anything like that. But I'm like, you've got to recognize this sounds ridiculous. I mean, do people really, I mean, I, I hate to disparage a client, but do they really believe that? I don't understand. I don't know. It was like an email went out that told everybody that car care should be free and parts were free. Yes. But every other service industry gets to charge whatever they want and no one cares. (laughs) That's very true. 
They're so, probably running through the same thing. Like maybe my, they are. My mom needed some some painters in her in her new house, and she's like, "They quoted me a thousand dollars to do this room, and that just seemed high to me." And I go, "Do you get paint quotes on the daily?" <laughs> no. I'm like, where do you come up with this? It seems high. And do you know what the price of material overhead cost of labor? Are you familiar? She's like, I have no idea. I'm like, exactly. So whatever the guy quoted you, if he wants to back up the work and you can afford it, do it or get more bids. Like, what do you want me to tell you? It seemed high. What the hell does that mean? It seemed high. You have no point of reference. You have no idea. Right. Right. It's that emotion that everybody wants to go off of. Well, and I mean, that that's the, it's the first response. And and I, I think it's because we're, our job is to educate the client, right? Up front, that is what we're here to do. We're here to educate the client. We're not here to, to, you know, I, look, I cannot stand this whole concept that we're salesmen. We're not salesmen. Right. Right. We're, we're advocates for our client and it's our job to help them understand what's best for their automobile and create something in regards to repair and maintaining the vehicle that fits their expectations and their needs. Right. I mean, that's our job. That's what we get paid to do. And I, you know, it's just like there was a video posted in ASOG earlier talking about how important it is to communicate clearly. Right. And, and I think it was something like a price increase and the guy got super upset and wasn't going to pay at all because there was a price increase. It's our job to be communicating and, and preventing those things from happening. And I, I can't help, I, you know, I've seen it more and more and more. I've watched videos, I've been in training classes and I'm seeing more of these places that are going out here and they're saying, Hey, don't tell them what the initial charges are going to be. Just get them in the door. Just get them in the door. No, I don't want them in the door. If they, if they're not willing to invest in their car, I don't want them here in the first place. Right. Why would I do that? What? That's the most ridiculous idea ever. Well, because you know, you need lots of cars and you, you know, if you tell them the truth, you're not going to get as many cars. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said, if I tell them the truth, are you expecting me to lie to them? Well, it's not really lying. It's just not telling the truth. But hold up, hold up. I miss, hold up. Wait, seriously? Words matter. Do do price on the phone? So somebody calls up and says, hey, uh, my battery light's on. I I will give them initial initial testing. My initial testing, what I recommend is a level one testing routine. And in 90% of all cases, I'm able to determine the cause or causes of your concern. In the other 10% of cases, we do have to do specialized testing, just like the doctor's office does. So instead of being like the doctor's office and being rude and not telling you what the charges are going to be, I'm going to tell you up front and give you the opportunity to say yes or no to that testing. Um, and like I said, in 90 to 95% of all cases, I will determine the cause or causes of your concern in a level one testing routine. And I'll yeah. explain what that testing routine is. I'm not going to bring somebody into my shop without them recognizing there's a charge for my services. Well, right yeah. now I, I, and, and, you know, I just can't, get my head around the fact somebody would go somewhere and expect there not to be a charge. But, you know, and, and the other thing that frustrates me about it is, you know, we're, we're doing all these technician series. So much of that comes to the back of the technician. Could you just run down there and check that for me? Oh yeah. Yeah. Could you just go out there and look at that real quick? Well, am I getting paid? Well, no, listen, it's the opportunity. You're getting yeah, opportunity. opportunity cost to do, do you tell them the, the what's, what's your policy at your shop there? 
Um, so we have a couple of things that are just a flat cost. So we can kind of say it's this or that or the other, but you know, like an oil change or a tire rotation is a fixed cost, but, um, no, we don't quote over the phone. We do very similar to what you're just saying. Like we have an hourly rate. We make it very upfront, you know, testing and analysis costs this much. We don't go past the first hour without approval within, you know, it's too hard to say, oh, it's $500 or it's $6,000. We do all makes, all models. It's yeah. runs the gamut, you know, like you shoot yourself in the foot if you say it's going to be $600 without seeing the car. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, it's a lie, right? I mean, if you tell them anything. It's not over good the- service. Right. And, you know, our our pillars and we stand in them and my service specialist is solid in integrity, excellence, and superior service. He uses those words all day long with our guests and our teammates. So, you know, he's really living in that and it makes such a huge difference with our guests that do come through the door. Like there's very little question from our people ever. He has an enormous closing ratio. And I think it is because he just lays it out on the line and says, I cannot give you a guaranteed price, but I can give you a guaranteed fix and then let you know what timeline and that That's repair awesome. plan will look like. Yeah. Well, and, and so like, do you think there's been an ethical decline or, I mean, are you seeing that too? And, and I'm, I know you see the post in ASOG. I know that you're hearing from other clients. What, what's your pulse on the industry feel like? Do you think we're facing a moral or ethical decline? I think it's split because the negativity that I hear from our guests that come through is their bad experiences are happening at the dealer or in like Joe Schmo's garage, like I was talking about earlier. Right. We have great independent shops around us. I have four within a mile radius of me and they all do good work. I'm the most expensive. Right. I offer a luxury service that they don't offer, so it sets me apart in a way. I don't think that bad ethics and morals are coming from those shops. I know those shop owners, and they all are great people who will strive to do great things for our community. One shop, they're older. They're much older. They're kind of antiquated. They can't really get into like a lot of technical like harder vehicles for you. They're a good mom and pop shop that can change your oil and switch out using tires. I think they're going to do right by you. It's the dealers in my area that I think are bringing the industry down, to be honest. And they're breeding terrible technicians out of them. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I can't hire a dealer tech. You know, I, I, I've told stories in the past um, and, and I've hired a dealer tech and, and I'm not saying all dealer techs are bad, but I had a really bad experience. We won't talk about, mm. um, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I was, as a matter of fact, we're sitting here and, and the person that I'm going to mention is texting me and, and, uh, he was a service writer at a, at a dealership. And he said, I've told him about this experience. I had a, I had a vehicle come in one time and the client came in and said, I need four tires. And I was like, okay, why? He said, listen, we've been friends for a long time. I'm telling you, I need four tires. Just give me four tires. And he's just a very blunt, straightforward kind of guy. And I, you know, no offense, whatever. Cool. Order his tires. He comes in and, and we put the tires on and, and I'm like, Hey buddy, um, I know your tire pressure light's still on, but I found the spare was a little bit low. So I topped it off and, and you're good to go. Tire pressure lights off. And he said, those sons of bitches. And I said, what? He's like, those assholes told me that, that I had pinholes in all four tires. And that's why my tire pressure light wouldn't go. <gasps> no. 
And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, they told me I needed four tires. I was like, dude, they're brand new. They've got less than 2,000 miles on them. Oh, my god. You know, gosh. he's like, well, I trusted them. And so I was telling my friend about this, and he's like, look. He's like, when, when this franchise took over this dealership, he said, I was writing service. And he said, they literally told me that if I sold, I, I want to say he said something like, it had to be 96% of what was on the ticket over the span of six months, or he would be terminated. That it had to be an extremely- 96%? Yeah, it, was a, it was a crazy close ratio, and it was things like, he, we were talking about- You're it asking for lies at that point. Exactly. And and the same thing from the technicians. And so I, I was talking to him and I'm talking to the, the service guy and he said, well, he said, here's what they do is he said, a lot of the things they'll do is, is they'll sell two gallons of coolant on a vehicle that calls for one gallon of coolant. They'll put the coolant back on the shelf and they'll credit it back to the service department. And he said, they'll overbill for parts and they'll overbill for all kinds of things. Ew. And, and <laughs> the client never catches on that these things are happening. Um, and they just add in everywhere they can. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's almost like a plague. I, just the other day, there was a lady who came in from a dealership and, you know, the dealership has their own invoice and estimate, right? It, it's clearly a dealership. Everybody in our industry knows that's a dealership estimate. Correct. doesn't matter what brand, right? Comes in on an Excel spreadsheet and I'm like, whoa, that's weird. And she's like, what? I was like, I've never seen a dealer do an estimate on an Excel spreadsheet. And it, sure enough, it had all their contact information. It was clearly from them, but it wasn't on the manufacturer's uh, letterhead. Oh, <laughs> getting around oh, the no. close and, ratio. Right. And so I started making some telephone calls and I, one of the service advisors we're interviewing at the shop used to work for him. And he's like, man, he said, I'm going to tell you one thing. He said, when I left that place, they offered me $5,000 to keep my mouth shut and not tell the uh, the oh. manufacturer what they were doing. And he said, I told them they could keep their $5,000. I'd tell whoever I wanted about whatever I wanted. Boop, 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 boop. So, I mean, I, dude, I'm telling you, I, I think that I think that culture, and that brings up a really important fact, is I think that culture creates that, right? I think that that mentality that we have to sell, 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 we're salesmen and we have to drive for numbers alone. I think that mentality is what creates that ethical dilemma. Am I going to feed my family? Am I going to keep a job or am I going to, am I going to do what I feel like is right? And I think you do the wrong thing a couple of times and all of a sudden that moral compass begins to drift Swings. a little bit. Yeah. You know, Swings. And look at what happened to David. <laughs> What happened to me? What are you talking about? What about you, David? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, listen, after he voted for Biden, the next oh, thing you yeah. know, he's going to um, have to cut that out. Oh, thanks a on. lot, David. Yeah, man. <laughs> Can't believe you did that. And now look what's happened. I mean, they're calling he's, you he's a bear a wildly now, David. Popular, I've got the article clip from, from CNN. He's a wildly popular president. Fake news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, my service uh, specialist today, Mike, he, um, I walked in and he was like talking someone out of their sale. Yeah. And so I was like confused because I'm like, what's happening? I wasn't involved in the beginning of the conversation. So when he hung up, I was like, what are you doing, sir? Like, we are here to make money. And, you know, he was like, listen, he's like, let me take you all back and show you the van. It's like a van I've never even heard of. It was like from 1998 or something like that. I'm, 
I don't even know if they make this van anymore. I don't think so. It was a craptastic vehicle. It was probably worth like $200. And it was like a $2,000 repair almost. And they were going to do it. And he was right. like, I just told him, you know, like if the vehicle, if you put the money in, it's still something else is going to fail immediately. Like it's just not a good purchase. And by the end of the day, they had called with two more appointments, you know, for their other cars because they appreciated so much like about that conversation where he just was like, no, this is not worth your efforts. Like, you know, I don't always like to hear that I'm losing out on some money, but at the same time, I think that's a very noble conversation that we need to have more in our industry. I agree. And, and I mean, I think that's where it comes back to the advocate portion, right? That's where being an advocate starts because Mm -hmm. that's what our job is. It is our job to make sure that car is going to be safe and reliable for our client. And, and if we become so focused and so ingrained in selling. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What happens though, is that that sounds very nice and noble, but that don't pay the bills. Right. And so payroll is pending. You got two or three tax bills that are about to hit the bank account. And you're like, I got to get a sale in here. And all of a sudden you're making that phone call to that customer. And, you know, maybe you're using some CD tactics to get them to feel bad or to you're you're just doing whatever you got to do to convince them that this is the best choice and get them to say, okay, on the phone. So you can say, yeah, done. I got the okay. Get the work out of here. And you make sure that you get the money in the bank. And so all of a sudden, those shop owners are like, well, we got to pay the bills. Maybe maybe they don't do it themselves, but then they look the other way when the, when the service advisor is doing it. Or the service advisor is just killing it with their numbers. Just, just absolutely obliterating every metric that they set before. And they don't want to ask. They don't want to listen to the phone calls. They don't want to know. Maybe they would have a problem with it ethically, that morally they'd go, uh, I wouldn't do it that way. But you know what? We are killing our numbers. So what do you do then? Personally, it's nice to say it. that I'm going to stay, I'm going to take the high ground when you can't pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I see, I definitely see that. And, and, you know, I'm bad enough to say that I'll just go broke, right? Whatever. I, I'm not, I, I think the thing that I've built here in my community is something different than that, right? The reputation that I have, the work that we have is because I didn't do that. Right? Yeah. And I've I think same the, for my area. Yeah. Maybe it's a small town. Are you in a small town? Yeah, I'm in a small town. Yeah. Maybe it's a small town thing. Yeah. And, and listen, David is definitely not a small town guy. Um, but <laughs> He says he's moving to the mountains and he's going to go somewhere. Not he's just going to have a cabin. I just want to go out in the country. I want like two or three acres, a cow, Aww. some a goats, cow. some okay. pigs. You're eating more than three acres, bud. Really? <laughs> a couple. Yeah, countries. you're like an acre and animal. An acre and animal? Pending the animal. Man. Well, just some, some uh, well, I mean, they, I guess they got to be big enough to, to slaughter them and make some meat, but. The pigs. I, I don't want any horses. I know. I'm like, oh, they, what? Oh, I'm not going to. What are you <laughs> talking about? Out. They're gonna go. They're they're gonna get like lifted up into the minivan, and I'm driving it down <laughs> to to Butcher Bob, and I'm gonna like Butcher Bob. Don't let me know how it happened, but Bessie over Jesus. here no, needs to turn you know into some porterhouse steaks. 
he's going to load up old Bessie in the van and he's going to say, you know, Bessie, I just can't do this to you. I just can't do this, Bessie. I'm just sorry. I mean, you know, now you poor dogs, the way you talk about those dogs, I, I, I could imagine those dogs, just gonna let them go. See you. If you come back, you come back. They're awful dogs. If you come back, I hate those dogs. I'll take your dogs, sir. You can have them. You can. (laughs) I've got five acres. They can run around. But I mean, that, you Do bring you have up any a, chickens. Some pigs, no, some horses, my husband won't let me have anything fun. I have two dogs what? and like a bunch of deers and stray animals that roll around. The problem is, no. you, like, what if another COVID happens? That's what freaked me out. It's like the, these people look. Everybody ran out of toilet paper. Everybody ran out of toilet paper except for us. Why? Because every month I was getting a shipment of toilet paper, whether we needed it or not, we had a shipment coming in. And my wife was like, would you turn off the toilet paper? And I go, no, I don't want to run out. And lo and behold, pandemic rolls around and all of a sudden they're not sending the shipment because they're like, we're out of stock. We're out of stock. We're out of stock. We didn't get any toilet paper for like six months. Oh, really? Yeah. When we didn't run out, not a once, we still have piles of it. Why? Because I'm prepared. And not to get into the crazy prepper thing, I'm not even trying to go down that route. I just want to be, I like I've got a vegetable garden in my backyard. I have a very small backyard. It's not that big. But I put some raised beds back there. I'm growing some vegetables. Going to see what, what I can manage and what I can't. Yeah, and it's I good. Want, it's good for you. Right? And I need some chickens. Because I, I even if I can't slaughter the, the chickens, I can get some eggs. You get some eggs. Yeah. No, I, I would love it. But I live in the country area. So, like, my neighbors have chickens. I can get eggs if I want. Um, we all split a cow. So, all of our deep freezers are we're full stocked. of cow. Like, we're yeah. stocked. I raise gardens. And then my husband was a ranger. So, like, we have so many MREs in my house, my basement. Like, I could eat for a year on these little army mills. <laughs> oh, Lord. Don't tell David that. So, no, da- no, if no, David, no. if it I've all seen... hits the fan, man, you right? come to Ohio, I can feed you like a king. <laughs> Pasta, whatever. Like, <laughs> L- listen, listen. It was at that moment that we all realized David was a hoarder. <laughs> I, I'm a, I've got hoarding tendencies. I do, which is why I'll probably never, never be able to to actually get rid of the animal. Like, I'll never be able to butcher Bessie because you know I'm I'm attached to Bessie. It's like, oh, it's Bessie. I can't eat Bessie. She'll be delicious. I've been feeding her well. She's plump, but right? I don't think I can kill Bessie. You'll need a companion at the end of the world, too. So Bessie can be yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, David, you bring up a valid point. I mean, you know, I, I think we talk about these training classes, right? So a shop owner's in trouble, right? We, we, we keep going back to when this this all starts because we've talked about the technician cycle. and And usually it's a tech that started a shop. They don't really know how to run a business. They're they're a decent tech. They don't know how to run a business though. So they start a shop and they're in trouble, right? They're scared. They don't have any money. They don't know how they're going to feed their family. They're stressed to the max. Things aren't going well. Clients are upset. They're upset. Employees are upset. It's tough, right? So what do they do? They go out and they find somebody who has the answers. And there's lots and lots and lots of people who say they have the answers. And there's a lot of different things that work. There's a lot of different methods that work. I was lucky enough that I got in with a group of people who believed 
in an ethical way of doing business. But if I had not been in with that group of people, it would be really easy for me to look at some of these other methods that use these high pressure sales and these sleazy tactics and say, well, that's okay because everybody else is doing it. Or that's okay because that's how I'm going to pay my bills because you don't know any better. Right? I mean, at some point there's got to be, we're not doing this. Right? There's got to be a voice that says that's wrong. There's a there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this. I mean, it, guys, how would you feel? You go to the doctor and the doctor's more focused on what he's selling you than your health care. You, you call the... Thing, no. I no. feel that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, how does it feel, though? I mean, I avoid them like the plague for that yeah, reason, I, listen, you know? Listen, it, when you read my obituary, they're <laughs> going to tell you about all of my medical numbers that are not where they're supposed to be because Lucas never went to the doctor. Okay? <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to know. Just let me die. It'll be fine. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> but, but you know, your plumber, the guy working on your heat system at your house, the HVAC guy. I mean, y- you hope that they're coming to your facility or your home or wherever it is and saying, Mrs. Client. Here's what's best for you. Here's what I recommend. And I would do this this way because, right? I mean, isn't that what we all want? Am I wrong? No. That doesn't get you consistent metrics, though, necessarily. It could, maybe, if you have enough of a client base. What about, hold up. What about my numbers? Are those not consistent? Do you think I'm over here telling people things they don't need? Listen, (laughs) you and your $1,500 valuations. What are you talking about? If it needs to be tested, I need to test it to find out what's wrong. (sighs) Do what you do. (laughs) There's no shame. (laughs) No, that's the point. We're talking about shaming those that are doing the sketchy stuff. There is some shame if it's shameful. But if you're doing it the right way, like there's no reason why you should feel ashamed. Like I feel, I don't feel sad about the art repair order totals that we have because I know they're done ethically. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's just like my testing. Right. Uh, the, the testing he's talking about was on an old, very complex diesel conversion vehicle. Oh, Lord. Had, of course it's like that then. <laughs> it had it was a European vehicle. It had 15 to 16. It was a Honda Civic. Quit lying. What? It was what? not. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but long story short, they had 16 different complaints they wanted addressed. And to address each one of those complaints, it required testing in the neighborhood of 1600 bucks. They approved it. And they approved it because yeah. we talked about why we were going to do the testing first. We fixed their concerns. We made sure the vehicle was fixed right. Through that testing, we were able to say, hey, that last thing where that person recommended that you needed an engine, guess what? You don't need an engine. You need this, 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 and this. It's going to be about 300 bucks. And the end you of know? the day, it still saved them more than an engine was going to. Exactly. So... You know, I mean, I, I think that that if we're providing an ethical service, if I go to the doctor and I say, hey, doc, my knee hurts, my ankle hurts, my foot hurts, my hand hurts, my head hurts sometimes, and my back hurts, and my butt hurts. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to say, well, I got to do an x-ray of that. I got to do an x-ray of that. And if you do this many x-rays, it's this much. And you know what? He's not going to tell me that because I got that many x-rays, I get a value discount. Right. <laughs> Buy one, get one accept, free. Yeah, he doesn't accept my coupon from the other place down the street. Right. I mean, it, it just does. You know, I, I went to a class recently and somebody said, you know, somebody comes in and they were talking about parts. And they said, uh, if you, uh, 
if you go in or if somebody brings their own parts and says, Hey, I need my own parts installed, laugh at them hysterically because it's so weird that, you know, we're not convincing them that that's abnormal for that to happen. Right. I thought that was an interesting perspective. Like, what the hell are you doing? This is insane. You don't go to a restaurant and do that. You don't go to the doctor's office and say, hey, I need these parts put in. <laughs> I've brought my own Tylenol. Yes, exactly. I mean, David might do that, but. <laughs> I'll save weird. me a few dollars. It's fine. It's true. So, Just I mean, about the conversation. We have these long testing and analysis lines, too. You know, like. Where they're all like, oh, it'll be $100 or, you know, what? Uh, what's the auto zone? We'll scan your vehicle for free. And so they all think that that's great. You know, right. they don't understand. That, auto zone will just plug the little box in and tell me what's wrong. No, sir. Like, it's a little bit more complicated. You have to have that good person at the front desk that really just explains it well. Yeah. That makes it relevant. Yeah. It does. It does. Well, and I mean, I don't. I, I I can't help but think that we've gotten to such a point right now that that people are so untrusting of our industry mm-hmm. that they're just going to question everything we do anyway, right? And and I don't get that too much in my shop. I, I, we've got a really good client base. They know we're doing what's right for them. There's no question. I mean, we, we work really hard, and I will go to the end of the earth if we make a mistake to make it right. I'm honest about it. I'm like, hey, I effed up. I'm very yeah. sorry. You know, like this was on me. I'm sorry. We'll fix it. But, you know, the thing is, is that I, I think they have been taken advantage of and things have happened in so many different places now that it's hard to to overlook that. But I mean, if do you find that like when you give that good experience that one time and you do fix whatever their issue is, like, do you have that question from them the second and third time that they come back or no, are they I, just handing you your, their money and saying, fix my car? You know, it, it takes three to four times for them to truly understand that we're, we're here for them. Yeah. You know, it takes three to four times of that experience of them coming in and them seeing that, that. You know, and, and as bad as I hate to say it, sometimes it takes things going wrong. It takes a failure with a part. It takes a technician mistake. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. they come in and say, wow, I can't believe you just did that. Well, I mean, I told you I was here for you. I told yeah. you I was going to stand behind this. I told you I was going to protect you, that I was standing in the gap. The reason you pay me is because I stand in the gap. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't get upset about it. I don't get frustrated. We just take care of you. That's what we're here to do. And so I think that after a few times of them experiencing that, it's completely different. You know what I mean? Like they don't look at it like that anymore. Yeah. I, I think if this, this shop up here, the the European shop that had uh, denied the warranty, it was two and a half years in. They they should have a three year warranty, but whatever, right? It's a especially a European shop. I, I guess you I mean, don't how want can to you, when you're how European can you warranty shop, a used part for three years? I mean, I guess you don't, but I don't know if it was no. used or maybe remanufactured. Maybe they've got a line of remanufactured uh, rear differentials or whatever. But even still, like it depends on the mileage and stuff, like how low mileage. But even even then, I, I think what irked her most because I, I, we started PMing each other um, because she wanted to explain herself. But if she had she had told me what she had po- if she had posted what she told me it wouldn't have looked as scary and they would have been less sympathetic to her. So it it was almost disingenuous to just post it the way she had posted it. 
And the thing that irked her the most, though, was that they seemed unsympathetic about the part failing only two and a half years later. She was, you know, the, the vehicle, it's whatever, it's got 150,000 miles, let's say. And she put maybe 15,000 miles since she had it replaced, but it was outside the warranty period. So she's like, hey, 15,000 miles later, when the original lasted 150,000, you know, you, you almost have to say, look, I'm sorry. Oh, we didn't know. We wanted this thing to last as long as it should have. And then you make a like a policy. 30 years later, they should be making policy changes. We know what not to use again. Uh, if, if a part fails and comes back, I just, I don't care if it's within the period, the, the warranty period or not. I take care of it and I put them on the no list. That part is never going to get installed again. Especially like, especially if it's an aftermarket and I'm like, half the time it's whenever I take a chance. Like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm going to install this aftermarket starter because I can't get my hands on an OES. And so it always comes back to bite me. And then I don't care if it's within the warranty, but I take care of it. Maybe I wouldn't have eaten the $5,000 repair, but I would have been sympathetic to her and said, look, I'm really sorry. I can do it at the bare minimum. I can do it this much, or we can put a brand new one and I'll discount it. We'll do it for this much here because this thing failed on you way sooner than it should have. And then go from there. I think she would have been fine with it had that happened. But instead, they were almost flippant about it, and so she decided she was going to go to the dealership. Is that particular Euro um, shop, is it like a chain shop where they would have like mass protocol to follow, or is it an independent Euro where they could have bent to what they needed? Yeah, they could have absolutely just taken care of her. But I bet they're slammed. I bet they're just buried with cars, and they didn't. Oh, probably, yeah. They're like, the price is what it is. Take it or leave it. You know, I've got 75 other cars sitting outside that need to be worked on too. I think to to your to what you were saying earlier, Lucas. I, I don't think it's necessarily the customers that are snippy. I think it's the shops because we're like I know I'm more stressed out now than I have been in the past because we are way busier than we were last year this time with the same amount of staff. We're pumping out way more cars and. You know, it's just a constant pressure. What's the next car? What's the next car? What's the next car? And I don't like that kind of pace. I'm a, I take a much more relaxed approach to my business. Yeah. Rick calls it wackadoodle. <laughs> I don't want to have to work that hard. I'm not, I'm not numbers driven. I'm pay the bills driven. I want to go on nice vacations. That's it. I want some nice stuff. And I want to go on nice vacations. And other than that, I don't want to be stressed out about the shop when I go home. And then yeah. that's it. So well, if that means I do X amount of numbers or Y, where somebody's numbers driven, it's going to say, no, no, we got to hit Y. We got to hit Y. It's like, why? Well, I don't, I don't I mean, need to. I don't I'm necessarily okay think that's the case. I, 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 you know me. I'm the, I'm the person who needs something, right? Like I was telling Dutch this morning, I, I, if I sit at home for an entire weekend, by Sunday night, I'm losing my mind, right? Like I <laughs> yeah. am somebody who same. <laughs> I need the stress in my life. I need the activity. I need the activity or the stress. It's not the same thing. I know it's not the same thing, but I need problems to solve to not go nuts. Does that make sense? Like I need something there to be like, ooh, this needs to be fixed, and I have to fix it because if I, you know, like my mind. Yeah, goes but some crazy of these problems are like idle. so far outside your control. There are thirty thousand plus parts on that car. But they're all I your understand. responsibility. All of them. I understand. 
Well, that's I'm, frustrating. Like that's I'm way outside a- my circle of influence or control or any of it. <laughs> I, I can't take into account that your rear tire went flat when I did an oil change. Like, I'm sorry. We just at the tire pressure, everything looked good. You roll over something. I know you're upset, but it's not my fault. And it's, you know, we're emotional creatures sometimes and they don't think logically. And yeah, that makes sense. You didn't touch anything back there. Why would you think it has anything to do with it? I had a guy come in. We did a, a we replaced some spark plugs and ignition coil and no joke. We're pulling the damn thing out of the shop or no, I'm moving it the next morning to, so he can come pick it up. I pump the brakes, the brakes go to the floor and I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I have the technician pull it back in we blew the, it blew out a brake line in the back over the, over the fuel tank. Of course, over the fuel tank, it's always over the fuel tank. <laughs> so I call the guy up and we're like, Hey, it's going to be whatever, 300 bucks to fix this fuel line or this, uh, this brake line over the fuel tank. It just blew out while we were moving a car. We're very sorry. We took pictures of everything. Again, that saves my butt. I, I'm just much more confident on the phone. Half the time they don't even look at the pictures, but I'm so confident on the phone telling them what happened. So matter of factly, because I've got picture proof of what happened, right? And so uh, we fixed the brake line. He comes to pick it up. Like two hours later, he drives back and he's like, I'm hearing a noise. A noise from where? In the brakes. <laughs> okay. He's like, well, I'm really worried about it. Can you take a look at it? It's like, okay. So we drive it. My, te- my, my service advisor comes back and he's like, are you hearing this noise? He's like, yes. It's like, well, I don't know what that is, but your brakes looked fine when we inspect them. He's like, oh. Also, we didn't touch anything with your brakes. Like we, you know, we did a, a through the wheel visual inspection of the, there's, there was pad material there and the wheels were tight. That's it. And, uh, and he's like, well, I would have figured you guys would have caught that. It's like some faint grinding. Like, no, like the car was misfiring. We didn't even <laughs> drive it that far. Like, no, 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 no. Like, it, but it's our responsibility. Why? Cause we touched something near it. That's yeah, frustrating. So much of that is. is dealt with in the conversation, though. It is frustrating. But so much of that is dealt with in how we handle the conversation. Right? He Just like fine. when we he left we, happy. It's not the point. The point is I had to have the conversation. That's the point. I shouldn't no, have to I'm have that conversation. I'm saying I have that conversation I, before they ever, ever get to the shop. How's that? How yeah, are you going to tell them that know. the squeaky break is happening when hey, you haven't taken gotta, it anywhere yet? Listen, it works <laughs> like a charm. You just politely explain. Now, Mrs. Client, what we, we believe here is, is that it's our responsibility to keep your vehicle safe and reliable for years to come. Now, as a as a service to you, what we're going to do is we're actually going to perform a peace of mind evaluation on the entire vehicle. We're going to take pictures, videos, and we'll make notes. It's like you're in the bay with a technician. Now, Mrs. Client, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see everything and I can't promise we'll catch everything or or something that might be coming up, but this gives us the best shot at knowing anything that's coming up. So we do a very thorough, comprehensive evaluation. We document everything we find, and then we talk to the client. There may be other things that we can't see or we we don't know about, but this is our best estimate of the vehicle's condition. And about 90% of the time we've already called it. And the other 10% of the time I just, politely explain mrs client i completely understand but as we've discussed i don't have a crystal ball i can't see into the future it makes all the difference in the world because it's true right sure listen that would come off as listen (laughs) i can't look into the future if i could i wouldn't be owning a repair shop i'd be a bajillionaire (laughs) right (laughs) that's how that would come off i don't have the southern charm it doesn't work Listen, honey, what you got to do? You just got to talk to him real nice like. 
That's just how this works, David. And, and you got the you got the whole anyway. We won't even talk about it. <laughs> Look, I, I don't mean to change gears, but I I did see something kind of interesting that you were talking on the other day. the uh, The girly calendar in the the shop. Yeah, what happened with that guy? He was yeah. getting oh, that pissed sued. me off. He was getting sued for sexual harassment for having girly calendars. And some guy's like, I've never been to a shop with no girly calendar Dude, inside. And I, I had to go in and remove some comments because some of it was like, yo, you probably shouldn't have said that. But I mean, what? so what? what's your take on that? I mean, so I... I was just wondering, like, did the girl bring it to his attention prior that she was uncomfortable with the calendar? Because that was where I was stuck. Right. Well, and and reading that would back make into all it, the difference, now, wouldn't it? That right. Guy's reading back if into he didn't it, do anything about it. Right. Read back into it. It said he said that she complained about it, and he removed it when she complained. Okay, then I think that she has no basis of conversation and she's just reaching cause she's mad. She got laid off. Right. And that's kind of, I think everybody kind of had that same thing, man, that's tough as a shop owner, right? That's really tough to go through. And I, you know, Bridget works in the shop. We, we have female employees and, and she's actually one of the, the apprentices slash technicians. Um, and while I'm sure everybody in the shop is very careful around Bridget, not to say things they shouldn't say, we're a bunch of rowdy old dudes. We say stuff that we probably shouldn't have said. I say things all the time that I shouldn't say, not in a context that's bad like that. I never say anything that can get me sued ever. You oh, are that's such nice. A liar. <laughs> I run HR and I should not. Listen. So it's like I say all sorts of things that are, you know, not appropriate. But I don't know, like those types of scenarios, like where a girl is like, oh, I am being sexually harassed because of a calendar that really puts like all the rest of us females who might have like an actual situation at risk for crying wolf. And that takes all the validity out of like an actual experience because somebody wants to be like petty and make up something. And and that's what my wife and I were talking about on it is that, that, you know, look now, if, if somebody really does have a problem. Those shop owners or those people who went through that experience are like, I have been through this before. And everybody around says, look, man, these people are just constantly, it's one thing after another. They just, you know, if, if it's not a true concern, now, if it's a true concern, it needs to be brought up. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to things like somebody putting their hands on somebody, anything like that, that is not acceptable, right? 100%. If it's something that truly offends somebody or it's truly offensive content, Nah, it doesn't belong in a business anyway, right? Right. I I don't care if somebody got offended about it or not. It just doesn't belong in a business. But like you said, does that take away from the the power that that complaint has if people keep crying wolf or complaining just to complain? Let's believe all women, Lucas, first off. Second, I don't know what kind of shop this guy's running that he, he thinks it's okay to put nudie mag or nudie photos up and just you know just throw them up there and call it good i i don't know like <laughs> yeah it, it, it's i i get it i i get it but it's just it's so i don't know antiquated yeah and it's it, it's it's cliche that's what it i would have a problem with it. i'm like yeah it, you know don't don't be that guy this isn't the 50s like 
(laughs) garage. Like even before I came on board at our shop, my husband's texts, none of them have had any of that going on because we did have so many females that came through. And at one point you had to like physically walk through the shop part to get to the office. So, you know, they saw everything that was going on in the bays, in the boxes, everything. So it's like, you have to be mindful of all of that. Yeah, exactly. We just like the music. I I had to get onto one this morning <laughs> about his music having curse words in it, and it wasn't like terrible or bad or anything like that. Oh, we just like listen to horribly if, offensive stuff. <laughs> well, if, if if a client can hear it, you need to be mindful of that. Well, yeah, you need to. We keep it low. You know. Yeah, we keep. So it I mean, low. I, but if I somebody walks through the shop, I mean, they're going to hear. I mean, it's it's like it's modern hip hop. What do you think it's going to sound like? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there that you can't repeat. Mostly it's just jumbled words these days. So <laughs> not mumble rap. I, I'm not talking about mumble rap. <laughs> I said, when I mean modern, I mean, eh, okay, mid to late 90s, some early 90s stuff. <laughs> like. <laughs> 30-year-old hip-hop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the David, original hip-hop. That had to sting, David. That had to sting. It's okay. Uh, I'm there with you, sir. It's all right. <laughs> oh, man. that That's painful. Um, you know, my wife listened to a song the other day, and she was like, oh, I remember when that came out. And I was like, when did that come out? She said, uh... 1999. I was like, shit. (laughs) It stings every time. Yeah. I know. Right. David, I would be more worried about what your employees were saying about you that your clients could hear. That would probably worry me a little bit more. They they do say (laughs) some very inappropriate things around me. That's okay. It's whatever. We keep it light. But I, there's, I think, and it's, it's so stupid because all of it is very arbitrary. So we throw a lot of racial jokes out. And, and oh man i know it's bad and i'm so i'm a hispanic and so i can say some stuff that the, the other guys can't <laughs> well they <laughs> they don't say it because they're you know they're looking side to side and like uh, i better not say that or i better not repeat what they just said <laughs> do you have a racially mixed group oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay okay yeah so i've i've got three like super white guys and then my service advisor is mexican my apprentice is mexican but he was born here mm-hmm. and juan is from mexico mexican and chillest um, guy you'll ever meet this dude if you didn't know that he wasn't stoned you would think he's stoned all the no, time this dude no. around with a giant <laughs> grin like on his that. face not i mean he's dude his smile is so big it's like touching his ears all the time and he just walks around smiling like what's up dude are you in well, a highly smiling. hispanic area no oh okay no not at all well we have we have a I mean, if you go, if you go like uh, four or five miles north of us, we have a very heavy Mexican population. Like it's okay, it's okay. like little Mexico up there. I mean, it, this, the Ooh, the nice. stores, the the store names are in Spanish. Everybody in that side speaks Spanish, and they just kind of hang out there. But these shops that they have up there are sketchy. All of them, like I'm sure. talking sketchy. They don't know what they're doing. They're charging a ton. I was really surprised some of these prices I've been seeing. Oh, really? And, and, and yeah, they're doing hacky work, hacky work. And, and so I feel, I feel terrible for these people because they just want their cars fixed properly. And it, it becomes a trust thing for them because they, mm-hmm. they can't speak to the person in Spanish. Maybe their English isn't the best. And so they're like, you know, there's a barrier there and they're like, ah, I don't understand what they're telling me. 
but they're telling me that it's a bajillion dollars and I can take it down to the guy on the corner and he can do it for half. Well, the guy on the corner doing it for half is not doing it properly or he's cutting corners or he's using a used part because they'll drive down to the pick and pull and grab the part off the pick and pull and drive back to the shop and install it like an alternator or something like that. And all of a sudden, like my $600 alternator install is 200 bucks from them. And it's because they use some oil soaked alternator that they pulled from the pick and pull. Uh, And, but all they know is that I'm expensive and they're cheap. Right. Can your, does your dude speak Spanish though? Oh yeah. Okay. So he can communicate. That would be so amazing. I would love to be able to have. All of a sudden that that's bringing in people that I haven't seen in the past. And he immediately starts speaking to them in Spanish. He feels them out because some people are not cool. Like they're trying to speak English or trying to assimilate and right. not appreciate it. If all of a sudden you just start spitting out Spanish, I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm trying to be an American. I want to speak English. I want to assimilate. That's not how, don't address me in Spanish. They do not like it. So he feels them out. If they're cool with it, then he'll jump in Spanish and they'll, he'll roll with it. Uh, and it, it, I mean, all of a sudden there's an instant level of trust there. And, uh, and he's uh he's not he's not stone. Why would you say stoned? He's smart. No, he's I'm back. just saying if you didn't know better, you would you would think that he may be stoned because he's <laughs> always smiling so big. The dude is so happy all the time, like nothing gets to him. That's yeah, awesome. The other day I came yeah. into the shop and the guy had his dad voice on. And he was he was barking he was barking at the text and he started barking at me and I took I t- took a step back and I'm like dude what's it with the dad voice and he's like who are hella busy <laughs> <laughs> the dad voice the dad voice yeah I'm sure you've heard it from your husband he's barking at the children like like they're messing around and you, the, oh, yeah. the third time you got to tell them that you put the dad voice on and you're like no. And it's, it's, Hey, straighten up. It's not, we're not, I'm not playing around any longer. That's the voice he had. Yeah, but that's, the dad the voice. that's just my husband's voice. <laughs> like all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> he's, he's all like, he talks to my child, like our employees, ducks, our employees, like my child. <laughs> like that's just, it's, that's his voice. He's like militant all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. He has no chill. <laughs> I'm too you chill. Just relax Way a little bit. Chill. Yeah, I'm too <laughs> chill no all chill. the time. <laughs> he's starting to be more chill as he's like aging, but I, I I've definitely chilled uh, more and more. I I used to be super uptight and super wound up about everything, and and would get mad at the drop of a hat. I, you know, over over time, I realized there's a lot of things I just can't control and I can't do anything about. Yeah. And might as well enjoy life. And, and you know, I, I think one of the big things for me was when I realized that my kids picked up on some of that for me, mm-hmm. you know, and that that response. And, and my little boy, he is very much like dad. And, you know, he's three years old. And when I was four years old, I rode a 250 Honda through the front window of my family business. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cut all the way through the jawbone in the back of my jaws, and, and oh, wow. on both sides, and had That's this why big he looks the way across like my he, neck. The way he does. Yeah, big holes in my head, and my mom like. Oh, you got messed up. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, and I, you know, here's the deal: is I didn't realize how bad it was. Dad picked me up, and I explained to him I'd been watching Rescue Nine One One, and I explained to Dad, "Look, I just need a blood transfusion. Everything will be fine." He carried me to the bottom of the stairs at our house, and he's screaming my mom's name. Mom comes over; she turns like bright white, like the color of a of a piece of tissue, and all of a sudden she turns red, and I said, "Oh shit, we're in trouble." 
Mm. And um, my dad to this day, he still tells me, he says, son, you've only done one thing I won't forgive you for. What's that, dad? He said, I walked you in that hospital. That nurse looked at you and said, what happened? He said, you looked at me as serious as can be, square in the eyes, pointed at me and said, he did it. I'll (laughs) never forgive you for that. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I've always been a bit of a troublemaker. and, And, you know, now I'm looking back and I'm saying, oh, no, he's starting to act like I acted. And he's starting to. Oh, I've got to set a good example, right? And, and you know, life's too short to be wound tight and upset about things. And you miss all these things when you're so upset and stressed out all the time. Slow down and enjoy a little bit. Like, things don't always have to go your way. And it's okay if things don't go your way, you know? Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.